0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Notorious By Chance, the show where we come and talk all things movies, entertainment, television, streaming. All that's under the same umbrella. One day I'm going to figure out how to do this intro properly. Uh, and Russell, uh, not only is this our 95 episode, talking about movies, celebrating their 25-year anniversary, but this is also the start of our guest month. Every week this month we are going to have an awesome awesome guest to come on and talk all things entertainment with us and russell i think we can say we are starting out with a heavy hitter
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: uh you may know this guy from screen junkies honest trailers movie fights or as being a I'm so many time belted i can not even count probably five i think five it's mr dan merle dan how you doing tonight buddy
2: I am doing fantastic. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm, so, I'm I'm so delighted you decided to join us today.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks for inviting me. It's of course. Uh,
0: I've been I've been
2: visiting family here in Arkansas. So I'm I'm uh, as I have been all week. I'm sitting in in a closet. Uh,
0: I, <laughs> can, I, can veg, I can I can vouch. I can vouch. He is he is back sitting in a closet. But hey, I am happy to have you join us to talk some talk some really cool stuff. Yeah, uh, man. So, yeah, first thing we're going to be talking about, I mean, we always start with our weekly. You know, you work, used to work on our trailers, so you get to talk about some actual trailers right now and be give us your honest opinion of them. Uh, it is our weekly trailer rundown. We only have two to talk about today. Uh, first one is for a Netflix film called The Boys in the Band. This is based on a Broadway play. came out in the 60s, and it's all about a group of gay men who get together for a birthday. One of the closet friends shows up, and then, you know... All sorts of different events and Sue has a, an ensemble cast, includes Jim Parsons, Matt Bomer, Andrew Reynolds, some others that I'm probably not thinking of right now. Uh, coming out for Netflix, uh, Dan, what do you think of the trailer for The Boys in the Band?
2: That, you know, that's, it's a name that I'd always heard before, just, you know, if you research about particularly, you know, gay culture and, and, and big, particularly artistic moments, The Boys in the Band is always something that came up. But I've never actually really known much about it. I, I, that, I mean, it's produced by Ryan Murphy, who's like he used to produce everything on Fox, and now he's producing everything on Netflix. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a great cast, and Netflix has been well, I, you know, it, it, since they've upped their ante, uh, it used to be that Netflix was pumping out mostly winners, but now it's well, you never know what's a real yeah, original and what's they're, like bought from they're ba- like, their batting average
0: their, bat- their batting average has gone pretty downhill. They, yeah they can still come in and hit a triple every now and then but yeah exactly. it's not always, it's not always a guarantee
2: yeah but i i think really what it is though is it, it would seem like obviously when you have so many cast members that are part of the gay community uh and then you know joe montello and and ryan murphy who is on board producing as well uh it's a pretty solid team behind it and and they're obviously going to be approaching it with a lot of passion and 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 that's really what i think you can you can tell uh for a movie is if it's approached with passion and, and a real desire to make something good you, you can see that come through uh in the final product so uh, i w- i would not be surprised if this was something that was really a labor of love for for a lot of people involved in the
0: film zachary quinto zachary quinto is the last guy and uh, something i should probably bring up is that uh, uh a lot of these guys were actually in the broadway production I think Joe Joe Montel actually produced, actually directed them all on Mm -hmm. Broadway. So, Russell, what did you think of the trailer for The Boys in the Band?
1: I liked it. I I did. I really like it. It's like almost like a male, gay version of Sex and the City, pretty much. Um, (laughs) Just where you get a group of friends and like trouble ensues, like you know what I mean, like mischief ensues and stuff like that. It's it's, and kind of what Dan said. it, it, It is kind of when you have people that are passionate about a project, they handle it more delicately. And I think they're going to do they're going to do justice for the gay community. I think with this film, um, and it's nice to see Jim Parsons tackle uh, you know serious side. Um, I always think he's a super underrated actor. I think he's a very very talented actor. Um, obviously, The Big Bang Theory was the, you know the breakout for Jim Parsons, but I really think that his showcasing his serious side is what really really kind of draws me in because I like from the things that I have seen him in, he's a good actor, and it's nice to get material that he can work with um and zachary quinto too nice to see you know spock get some uh, work you, you you know he comes and goes uh in projects you never really see him out too much so it's kind of nice when uh, you see zachary quinto on his screen too
0: no i i absolutely agree i think all these guys are like outstanding actors and i'm, I'm glad jim parsons opted out of more bad seasons of big bang theory so he can like do more <laughs> more interesting stuff yeah like this and uh that hollywood show on netflix which i'm pretty sure he's on or maybe he's not. I don't remember. I didn't see it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I, I will watch it at some point. Also a Ryan Murray produced thing. But yeah, uh, The Boys in the Band is set for a September 30th, 2020 release. And only other show we have to talk about today, and I'm so happy we have Dan to talk about it, is, beca- is, it is Bond 25, The Search for Curly's Gold. We, we, <laughs> we, we call it that because we don't like the actual title. But it is, it is No Time to Die. Uh-uh.
1: Uh, it
2: does feel like it came out of a random bond word generator yeah if, i mean yeah. i like it because i'm a bond geek but uh i i do like that it's it's just it's a very classical bond name
0: it is it, it, it's like it's like you fed all the bond titles to that that uh computer that wrote that harry potter <laughs> chapter yeah yeah that's
2: what quantum of solace <laughs> felt like as a movie yes too. it did yes it did
0: Aww. so uh yeah you know, absolutely bon- dan as you said you are in fact a big bond guy So, what did you think of this trailer for No Time to Die? And what are your feelings on this movie as a whole? Are you excited for it? Are you excited to see Craig hopefully give a shit in his last outing as the classic (laughs) spy? It would be nice. It would be nice.
2: I you know it's it's we, with Daniel Craig it's been kind of this off and on thing where I think with Casino Royale and Skyfall you have two great James Bond movies and then with Quantum and Sol- Quantum of Solace and Spectre you have two in my mind not so great James Bond movies. We
0: agree. So we definitely agree. If you're
2: going on a, an an even odd type thing then we, we 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 should be in line for a really good one maybe because it's the last one. I really the one the only one that I really thought Daniel Craig seemed visibly bored in was Spectre. Yes. And so for him to come back, I hope that that means that there's something interesting about it. Rami Malek as a as a Bond villain. I I hope they don't go too dark and dour. I hope they allow him to be a little cartoonish and a little over the top, because I think every great Bond villain has can have both. And, and, you know, you had Mads Mickelson crying blood. I mean, it's, there's 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 huge, big swings of fantasy involved, even in the most grounded villains. So I'm always excited for a new Bond movie. I'm obviously hoping it's a little more Skyfall than Spectre. And, and if it's, I mean, this has got to be Daniel Craig's last. I mean, he can't do it anymore. So I, you know, he, yeah. he,
0: he wants to kill himself every day making he these does. movies. <laughs> yeah. And on, on your point of, like, Ryan Malik playing, like, a you know, not being overly serious. I mean, look at that guy. Look at his face. Look at those giant fish man eyes. If you're trying to make him a grounded, serious villain, you're doing it wrong. Russell, what yeah. did you think of the trailer for No Time to Die, the newest one? Because I know you're a big yeah. fan of the first one. Yeah. Dan, I mean,
1: Dan really took took the words out of my mouth. Uh, it's every other you know movie for uh, Daniel Craig. You know, obviously, Casino Royale and Skyfall are the, are the best of it. You know, the best of his five, well, coming up to five and, you know, Spectre and Quantum of Solace are the worst. Like, you know, odd, you know, odd numbers telling me that this is going to be a good film. Uh, Craig looks, I mean, like he does actually care and wants to be in this movie. Um, kind of what, uh, you know, Dan said, I hope Rami Malek, I hope they give him a little bit of time to, you know, give him room to kind of, you know, manipulate the character and kind of like do his own thing with it. Kind of make it his own. I, I don't want it to be like a boring Bond villain like we've seen in the past. um But what is it with like Bond villains and disfigured faces? Like it's like a
0: it's thing, a, you know? It's a thing. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a almost, thing. It's, yeah, it's man, almost all? It
2: goes all the way back to Blofeld. I mean, even <laughs> Doctor No, he had fake hands. Like they always yeah. have. Not always. They're either super rich or they have some kind of a physical something going on. And there's very few that don't uh, fall into one of those two categories.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, if, if you're a Bond villain, chances are you're going to have a jacked up face or a prosthetic of some kind, <laughs> i.e. Dave Batista and Spectre with his metal coke nails. Now, Dan, I, w- I will ask you, because this is something that we've not been in with but we've talked about on this show. Which, what do you think is the worst Craig Bond movie? Do you think it's Spectre or do you think it's Quantum of Solace? I think, personally, I think it's Quantum of Solace. Okay, so we're all in agreement here. Because it, yeah. it, I mean, it
2: was a writer strike movie, and you could li- you could tell they were literally just making it up as they went along. It just it doesn't track at all, and it's like they're tr- and it had to be so they're trying to be so labyrinthine because you're supposed to be building this whole build up from the last movie and this new organization, and they just I just think they really lost the ball. So I'm no fan of Spectre, but for me, it's Quantum of Solace.
0: Yeah, I didn't didn't like the director say like it tried to, we're gonna model all the acting sequences of Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water
2: it's yeah i think he said just, that at some
0: just, point He's like yeah. what the hell are you talking about uh but either way uh yeah bond 25 is well we don't know when it's set for a release but no time to die uh i think it's still slated for a theatrical release this year once in november it's set for november right as of right now as of right now we'll see if that changes because yeah. uh well, ten... Chris-
1: christopher nolan man
0: well because christopher nolan did not have the effect on theaters he thought he would but we'll get to that later uh, as of right now, that is the end of our trailer rundown. Which means we now move on to notorious news, and uh, like like we always say, we like to have fun on the show, but we also like we will take time to get grounded and serious, especially when it comes to like high-profile uh, celebrity deaths. And We had maybe the most shocking one for me at least. This is the most shocking death probably since Prince passed away in 16. Uh, it was it broke last Friday. That Chadwick Boseman tragically passed away. Uh, it uh, he was apparently fighting a six-year battle with colon cancer, and I'll I'll go you guys the first in a second. When I first saw this, I was I was in shock. I was in disbelief. I I didn't want to be true because Chadwick Boseman, like in addition to being he was First of all, he was an outstanding actor. I'll say that. He was an outstanding actor. Uh, he was also, I think, he was poised to not only become an icon, a modern icon of black cinema, but I think he was also poised to be... I think he would have gone down as one of our generation's greatest actors. I mean, you look at what he did in, like, 42, Get On Up, Marshall... All these like really great roles, he was always bringing. He never, you, you never look at Chad Bogan and say, Oh, he had a bad performance. You know, he was always delivering good things. And to lose him like this when he had just such a long career ahead of him, it's, it's, and I consider that an absolute tragedy. And this, we're talking about tonight because this, now cause this it, it literally, the news dropped, I think, the day after we recorded our Jaws special. But, yeah, uh, Russell. What 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 were your when when you first heard Chadwick Boseman pass? What was your what was your reaction?
1: Honestly, kind of the same thing as yours. But the first thing I did was to make sure it was actually like legit. You know, you get a lot of those death hoax on on social media and stuff like that, unfortunately. And you know, you have to try to you know follow up with it to make sure is it legit or if it's like a hoax. You know what I mean? But once I found out about it, man, I was just like in complete disbelief. It was like kind of what you said, you know. You have this guy cut off in his prime and not not only that, but like kept this, you know, his battle with colon cancer, you know, under wraps, which, you know, somebody could easily have, you know, you know, I don't know other actors, you know, you know, battling sicknesses and stuff like that. But, you know, any other actor, you know, Joe Schmo or whatever off the street could have come forward and said, hey, you know, I'm battling colon cancer. He did this privately. So he still wanted to put out. You know, solid material, and he did, but this guy was also battling a life like a life threatening disease on top of it, like when he's in Black Panther and kind of what you said about marshall forty two this guy's like fighting for his life on top of it and still giving you the fans, us the fans, you know the pleasure of just seeing him on the screen, giving out you know perfect performances and it's it's really, really, really tragic, and it's a shame that you know uh, you know just such a such a talent. You know, gone way, way, way too soon. And kind of what you said, yeah, this guy could have been easily, you know, gone down in, in history as one of the most, you know, recognizable African American actors for sure.
0: And I think, like, you touch on something you just said, like, I think that he needs to get more credit for, like, how much work he physically put in. Because you look at, like, those Marvel actors, especially the main ones, they got to put in a lot of work physically, a lot of steam chicken, a lot of working out. <laughs> and look, we all know how big badly a toll cancer takes on your body and the fact that he was able to go in still maintain top physical shape while like his body was destroying itself i mean yeah like a a fucking plus work man um dan what were your thoughts on the passing of chadwick Bozeman?
2: i mean it was this year i think we've had two just lightning bolts uh Chadwick Boseman being one Kobe being the other one where you you know it's somebody who you just have no expectation I mean obviously you you never expect anyone to pass away but just like just you hear it and you're like what that doesn't even make it doesn't even compute it doesn't even make sense at first and uh you know the the thing is first of all I you can tell that there's so much he 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 was always, you could tell from his interactions with fans, his interactions, his his charity work, just his demeanor, how passionately he felt about his projects, that he was somebody who was a great collaborator, who people respected, who people admired. But in the in light of this, when you see you know first of all, it's it's kind of the, the idea of the the company that you keep. the circle around him was was so small that knew about this. I was reading that, you know, Ryan Coogler didn't know. Kevin Feige didn't know. Disney didn't know. I mean, th- th- But even given that, the fact that nobody around him that did know or that, you, you know, there were people I'm sure that did his treatments. The fact that nobody leaked this in however many years, I think, is a testament to the company that he kept and the fact that he surrounded himself with people who actually cared about his well-being and wanted him to do things on his terms. And so... I think that does tell you something about him uh, but also just the fact that he he devoted still so much of you know when you see the fact that he did a lot with cancer research and and to do all that work and know this thing about yourself and not share it and and, and just it is it it takes super somebody I was talking to somebody about this today actually and they said like how what does it take how can you make movies undergoing that kind of treatment and and I said it's like it it takes literal superhuman strength I think to be able to do that and and he obviously had that and I have so much respect for the fact that everybody gets to make their own decision about how they live their life and the fact that he decided to devote the last years of his life to doing great work and that's what he wanted to be remembered for and that's what he wanted the attention and the focus to be on that's just it 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 really is we're just now, I think, finding out the real depth of character that he had, in addition to the abilities that we knew he had his acting ability and everything else. It's, it's, he, he is going to leave a profoundly impactful legacy on and off the screen.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Chad, it me. Your career may have been tragically short, but your legacy, I think, will live on for a long time. So rest, rest in peace, sir. Yeah. Uh, next thing we're talking about is we have uh, some release. We have some release date shifts to talk about. First of which, uh, the King's Man, uh, another another entry in the you know series of films. We don't like the title for. Uh, that is officially <laughs> moved out of 2020. It's now on to February 26, 2021. Funny thing is, this was originally slated to come out in February of this year. So I imagine just everybody in the theaters is just taking off that September tape. And <laughs> put <for> the February <laughs> release date over it. Just take take the tape off, just scratch it, just scratch out the date, and write it in the twenty the twenty sixth. So that's been moved. Uh, let's see. Paramount. Paramount has set some new dates. Uh, let's see. So uh, we have uh, Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is now slated again out of twenty twenty one. it's out of twenty twenty. I'm sorry. It's out of twenty twenty. It's moving on to twenty twenty one. Set for a release date of. Let me see. March fourth, twenty twenty. I'm sorry. Eh, why am why am I mixing up my notes today? My notes are a uh, scattershot. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Snake Snake be released October twenty second, twenty twenty two. Paranormal Activity, the next one. Yeah, we're getting seven. Uh, will that be released on March fourth, twenty twenty two? Which I think is ridiculous. Like, don't this movie get shot in like a weekend on a budget of like a <laughs> ham sandwich, <laughs> something
2: like that. Seriously,
0: why do you why do you need this? Why do you need this uh, this like big a leap? Uh, and also, the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie, which was set for a release uh, November of this year, been pushed back an entire year to November fifth, twenty
2: twenty one. Wow! I have to clear wow. my Thanksgiving plans now. Yeah,
0: got clear clear Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving twenty twenty one belongs to Clifford the Big Red Dog.
1: I didn't even know we had. I didn't even know we were getting a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. This is this is a surprise to me. This is great. We're, break, oh we're breaking
0: God. news. We're breaking news.
2: So, I feel so man. bad about these legacy movies that were at Fox, of which The Kingsman is one of them, because yeah. it's like it's like you were, it's like your, it's like your mom got married and the new stepdad just comes in and is making a bunch of rules <laughs> and you don't get any say. And it's like you're moving to that room, you live over there now. And but because I went and saw New Mutants, all of and did. there was a trailer for Kingsman, I'm sure attached for by the studio in front of New Mutants. And then, like, four days later, they moved it. Do you remember when do you remember when Dark Phoenix debuted a new trailer? Oh, right. With and a then release like, date? Then, like, and the literally next day, the next day, they, they the pushed the date. It feels like that with Kingsman. It's just like Dark Phoenix and New Mutants and Kingsman. It's like stepdad Disney is like, I don't care about you. What Go go, go to the basement.
0: We'll deal with you later. <laughs> now, Dan, I, w- I want to paint you a picture. We're in the future. Co- uh, co- covid has taken a back seat. We cured it. And you have your choice to what to see at the movie theaters. You got Snake Eyes. You got Paranormal TV 7. You got Clifford. What are you going to go watch first? Between those three? Yes. Um, we, asked, Ruffles, eyes, we asked maybe Snake questions. Eyes. We asked the important question. We asked the important like, question on the show.
2: I liked Bumblebee. So maybe they'll maybe they'll replicate that with Snake Eyes, where like the spinoff movie is better than the other two. Although I didn't hate GI Joe Retaliation, but yeah, I guess I'd pick Snake Eyes, and then Clifford, and then Paranormal Activity Seven. Although uh, I don't know,
0: we got to we got we to stop these Paranormal Activities. We really we really do. The problem is they make they make if it bombs totally if it makes ten million dollars on a weekend it already like tripled its budget.
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's almost impossible for those things to bomb because they're so cheap.
0: Yeah, God, I hate these films. But Russell. Same 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 question to you. What are you seeing with your heart you or Oh man, you know I'm a I'm
1: a whore guy, so man, I gotta go Paranormal Seven just because we've had like what three or four like after they stopped numbering them. I mean, like the marked ones and the Lost Dimension or whatever Ghost Dimension or something like that. Um, those are really really awful. Uh, maybe it being actually like par- are they are they just titling it Paranormal Activity? Are they are they I mean, actually
0: doing the numbers or were they doing the? I I, I don't know. What's 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 the trending thing to do now? Numbers, subtitles. I don't even. I don't even know. I think anyway, it's adding a um,
2: the. It's going to be called the Paranormal Activity.
0: Oh yeah, that's the, the new oh, one. Oh. The Paranormal Activity. I, don't I enjoyed
1: the first one. It was a super surprise hit. Um, I don't know. I I would probably go see Paranormal Seven, just because I like I do like the movies. I mean they're far from perfect, but the first one really. Seeing that in the theater was a, such a, you know, amazing, you know, experience. It was just so frightening and on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, Clifford would probably be last. I would say Snake Eyes, not the Nicolas Cage film. Um, I would probably put I probably put Snake Eyes second.
0: It also should be noted that King that uh Kingsman, if they just stuck with their original release dates, would have been out would have been out already and it would have been <laughs> awesome cuz I was looking forward to Kingsman. I'm not going to lie. I think those trailers uh, look sweet. Uh, Maybe that's just me. I would I, don't
2: know. I, I, I I love the first one. I liked the second one. This one looks interesting enough. I do. It, wasn't it? What the rumor that this was not supposed to be a Kingsman movie originally, and then they changed the script? Was it really to make oh. it a Kingsman movie? Well, that's, that's what I heard. That's
0: depressing. It makes uh, sense. That would make sense actually. But anyway, yeah. if you're excited for you know any of those movies we just listed, first of all, why? Second of all, why? Third of all, you have your dates. Mark your calendars. There you go. Oh, uh, we have some new developments in the uh, you know the, the new. I guess the new era film distribution, as far as like COVID is concerned, first of all, was announced that San Francisco will be the first California market to open their theaters. Uh, the theaters will be in there very soon. Second of all, it was, uh, we have some, uh, you know, funny I have Dan on because we're about to talk some charts, some box office. Uh, <laughs> new Mutants uh, opens to $7 million, uh, currently at around ten worldwide. And uh, Tenant takes in $53 million worldwide. Now, I will say, now, I've seen New Mutants. I don't know if it would have done much better business if it came out in one of the other <laughs> six release dates it was, sl- was slated for. Yeah. I think it definitely would have done, no spoiler, but if, if, I think it would have done better if it came out after Logan. And people who have seen it will know what I'm talking about. But It would have, yeah. I think, so too. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree. You guys have both seen Tenet. So Tenet uh, on a budget of 200 to $250 million. It's got a long way to go. It's going to make that money back. So do you think that do you think that the, you know, the legend of this movie has been built up enough to the point where people will go out and see it? Did you can have the staying power to be able to be profitable? What, what do you think is going to go down with 10? I'll start with Dan first since he's uh he's Mr. Chartman.
2: I don't know. I mean, I went to now admittedly, I'm I'm in Arkansas. It's not a bigger market. It's not a, you know, a lo- a huge market, but I I went to a the first screening of the night at one of the theaters and it was playing at several, it was not an IMAX theater, but there were 12 people in my sh- screening. Um, no problem with social distancing in the theater, which I'm fine with. Cause I think we should keep people as far apart as we can if the theaters are open. But I am also very curious because I wonder a, the reviews have been good, but not all glowing so i wonder how many people are going to wait it out because you know warner brothers have been like we're going to play the long game on this so i don't think the first weekend is going to tell the tale i'm curious to see how it does in china where an exhibition and distribution exhibition is is a little bit further along um they've been they've already had a movie make close to 300 million dollars there So that'll tell a big part of the story. But yeah, I think this is going to be the first real test of like how many people are ready to go to the movies. I think we're, I think we'll probably see a gross around. Well, I, that's the other thing is they did those early access shows, but which was like Monday through Thursday or Monday through Wednesday. But, but I don't know how they're counting that. I assume they're going to roll that into the opening weekend. So the opening weekend is probably going to might look pretty good because it's going to be the Canadian numbers from last weekend. And the early access shows from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and the shows from third. So really, the number we're going to get is like a week's worth of the movie showing. So I wouldn't even look at that as an opening weekend. I I don't know. I I am just curious how many people are actually going to be running back out to the theater to see this too. It's 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 difficult to call. It's a tough call
0: to make. All right, now Russell, uh, what, what 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 do you what, what what do you think? Do you think it's going to have like a good staying power? Because like I said, you've seen it. Do you think audience yeah. are going to you know latch on to it? Are they going to wait it out? What, what do you think is going to happen with uh, Captain Nolan's Titanic? I mean, Titanic, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well,
1: well, I saw my wife and I uh, took uh, Ella to uh, va- vacation out at Myrtle Beach. So we were in South Carolina when I saw this one. Um, kind of the same thing as Dan said. Really uh, didn't have a problem with social distancing, which was nice. Um, went to a Cinemark Theater down there to see it, not an IMAX theater. Um, and kind of what Dan said, I think there was maybe between 20 and 30 people In my showing, and yeah, that was really about it, which was nice, but it was one of those early access shows, like I said, I saw it on the Monday that it came out, the very first day that they were doing the early access movies. Now, how do I think that this movie is going to, you know, transpire for the box office? I think just because of the fact that we don't have any big, big, big blockbusters like a Nolan-type film coming out anytime the next couple of weeks or, or like months or, you know, I think that's going to help it tremendously. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes its money back just because of that. But what Dan said, like, you know, you're, you're putting all these days in, you're making all this like mosh posh of like box office, you know, bucks. And when they, te- when they roll it out and how much, you know, does this movie end up making, you know what I mean? I, I think it's going to have legs just because of the fact it is a Christopher Nolan film and as these you know, states start lifting restrictions, uh, big cities like how you said, uh, San Francisco and stuff like that, the California uh, theaters and stuff like that. I think we're going to see a little bit more people kind of testing the water um, to kind of try to get back into the theater watching again, the movie experience again with this, you know, you know life at, you know, after or during COVID, I would say. Um, I still think I think it's going to make its money. Uh, kind of what Dan said again, like just kind of unsure how much it's going to make. But I do, I do see it getting its money back for sure. Um, yeah,
0: got a long, got a long way to go to get there. But hey, yeah. no, no one believes in it. I'm not sure what the end of that sentence is, but no one believes in it. That's the thing. <laughs> he also believed in Interstellar, so <laughs> take what he says yeah. with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, and Dunkirk, we'll and, and, with
0: that. and Dunkirk. We just got to, anytime we get a chance to bash that thing, I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan, throw, 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 throw some wood on the fire. Throw throw. jam oh, at Dunkirk.
2: I've already taken my lumps for my opinions on Dunkirk this week when I talked about it in my review. So, yeah, I, I was not the biggest fan of Dunkirk. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank neither you. neither Thank were we. You.
0: Neither were we. Neither were we. We bash them all the time. <laughs> now, speaking, now, speaking of things co- affected by uh, the coronavirus, uh, two more very high profile celebrities have tested positive, uh, that being Dwayne Johnson. Uh, which shows that COVID does not care how big or badass you are, it will still get you. And also, uh, Rob Bat—you're saying it ben. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you, who you are. are. <laughs> 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 COVID's gonna get COVID's going get your ass. COVID's gonna get your ass. Uh, and also, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Which, okay, look, him getting Corona, him getting COVID is not funny. But it is funny that I think Peter Sarsgaard was quoted as like, "This is gonna be a very raw, unsanitary Batman." <laughs> And then this happens?
1: (laughs) Yeah, seriously.
0: So, yeah, once again, uh, the Batman has stopped filming. So I do want to ask, I mean, Black Adam's, like, it's far removed enough to the point point where the Rock can recover. But do you think that uh, Pattinson's diagnosis is going to affect the release date of the Batman? Because like I said, they only shot 25% of it before they got shut down. Uh, You wouldn't know if you watched that trailer, because that trailer is fantastic. Uh, They only shot 25% of it. Filming's halted again, and it's set for a release date in early October of next year. So, do you think that that do you think that we could see a shift in that at all, uh, Russell? I think it stays. I think you got plenty of time. Um,
1: obviously, you know, with your couple couple week quarantine and stuff like that, I, I know they're probably going to start doing. That's the other thing that they're going to start doing a lot of testing on that um, on that uh, shooting site too, just to make sure that nobody else gets it. So, I, I think there's enough time. We have what you're looking at 14 months. That's plenty of time to shoot this film, um, given all the circumstances. So I don't think it really. I don't. Barring something completely crazy and catastrophic, I don't think it, it changes the the release date of November.
0: Or unless the movie is like crazy intricate and we just don't know it yet, it could happen. Yeah, uh, Dan, do you yeah, think uh, do you think Batman stays where it's at right now? Or do you think it I mean, moves off?
2: I don't know. That's the question is we know that with obviously Robert Pattinson, you know, did he contract it on set? Did he did he? W- w- are there more positive tests to come? I, you know, I, I feel like uh, I, I don't like that that it was not announced on his terms. It is regarding his health. And yeah, I know yeah. that they announced that they shut the set down because someone had contracted it. I don't like that it was confirmed by outside sources through other, when I talk about people leaking stuff, that's what I mean. Whoever, yeah. whoever, whoever told Vanity Fair that the person who contracted coronavirus on the Batman was Robert Pattinson is a dick.
0: Yes. Because
2: I yeah. you, I think if you, if you, if it is a personal health thing, you get to choose if yeah. people know about it or if they don't. So that's what I mean when I talk about the company you keep, obviously somebody on that set is a dick because that's not their information to give out, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, I think what it really speaks to is how complicated it's going to be to try to resume any kind of normal film production because, especially if you have a Robert, a star of a film who contracts this, and first and foremost, I hope that he is healthy and that it is a, a more minor case. You know that he's either asymptomatic or has minor symptoms, but even then there's obviously a need for him to quarantine and, and to protect himself, to protect others. But this is going to be, this is not going to be the last time we hear this. And I was kind of surprised to hear that they were resuming production this quickly because this thing is not completely under control. And to think that we can go back to any sort of business as usual. Now, I think you can resume business with restrictions where applicable, but to think that we could just go back to everything as it was, is, is a bit naive at this point. So you know, first and foremost, I hope that he is safe and, and recovers and everything else. But I think this is going to be the challenge of ramping up production is you can be the wheel. The train could be going down the tracks and all it takes is one situation like this to bring everything to a grinding halt once again.
0: No, I do. No, I do agree. But yeah. So first of all, I uh, don't leak information. Like When you say like someone that's at the dick, my immediate thought was Jared Leto got cast in this movie and we didn't hear about it. <laughs> we got we to we take our shots in him when we get a chance to, but and he's not in the news this week. Thank God. Oh,
2: thank, thank God. He's a worshipped rock star. He can take it.
0: Sure. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully that this will you know open some eyes to show him like okay, maybe we do need to reevaluate how we're doing movies right now. Uh, like like you, like you said, Dan, I do you think it's a good piece of advice? Uh, But next story we're talking about, uh, oh, Russell is one of your favorite subjects. Not Disneyland Action Action Remix. No, we're talking about reboots, reboots, reboots. Uh, As Uh, it was uh, announced that a new version of the thing is coming from Blumhouse Productions and Mr. John Carpenter. Now, I saw the story and I'm like, okay, there's no way this would have gotten greenlit if Halloween wasn't a smash hit. That's one you would yeah. not have gotten the name. You would not have gotten this this property. You would not have gotten John Carpenter on board if they didn't do such wonders with Halloween. That being said, uh, the thing is like a very. It's not like I mean it's ambitious in its effects, and it's not going to be. Do you think because Blumhouse they're very notorious? for, it. okay, look, we'll give you five million dollars for your movie, not a penny more, and I better get this back at the end of the month. <laughs> so. Dan, are you? Are, would you be excited by the prospect of Blumhouse doing the thing?
2: Hey, didn't we just do this like several years ago? 2011, um, yes,
0: we did. We did, in fact, do this. It was awful.
2: Uh, I mean, The Thing is one of those movies where Halloween, you want to play with the mythology, that's fine. Uh, but The Thing is one of those movies that's just like, in my mind, it's just there's there's one of two things you can do. One is continue on the storyline which they did the prequel. And I don't really know how you do a sequel without cheapening the movie that came before it or two is to do a remake. And I just don't know how you do better than the one you already did. I mean, Carpenter, I could see Carpenter coming back and want to do Halloween. Cause he's like, I don't like where they took it. I don't even like where I took it Uh, on, you know, like as a producer and writing with Halloween two and everything. But like the thing is still a great movie. And, like, what could be improved upon anything involving it? Before, after, remake? I don't know. It's just, like, what can you do that's going to in any way top or be better than the original?
0: Yeah, I think about the, the thing, the, the, the prequel, because the whole thing behind the scenes, they wanted to do a whole bunch of, like, practical effects for the actual thing stuff and, like, enhance it with CGI. But then they just, like, cover the, they just, like, like okay, you know what, fuck that. We're just going to cover everything with a bunch of CGI crap. And it looked, it looked awful. I remember, yeah. I remember it looking awful. I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Uh, but Russell, I mean, how do you feel about the original thing? Would you be excited about the prospect of another thing in the works?
1: Yeah, kind of a dance. I mean, when you have such a you know, cinematic classic like that, you, know, you kind of don't want to taint it by putting something else out, like, remaking it. You know, why would you want to remake something that's already iconic enough? Um, especially with the prequel, the thing was, like, trash, from what I remember, kind of what you said, Chance. I haven't seen it since, like, it came out. Like, d- like well, first on DVD or whatever, but uh, that one was trash. So, yeah, I can't really see them doing it. I mean, I can because of the fact Blumhouse does it, and they're going to make Buku Bucks doing it. So yeah, I-, I see the money science in this, but, like, as a, you know... Fan of the thing and stuff like that I don't see how that's actually going to help, you know what I mean, especially if not Tar and turning out you know big box office halts, so wouldn't surprise me if they do it, but I just i don't know I don't think they should
0: no, I mean, I agree, especially having watched the thing again fairly recently it's it it's still it still holds up like incredibly incredibly well, so I, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but at Blumhouse they could we say that they hit more than they miss? I think it's I think it's close. It's very close.
1: Um,
0: it's it's
2: theatrical it's like
0: 50,
1: only.
2: It's,
0: theatrical yeah. only.
1: Oh man, it's like five hundred. They're batting like five hundred, I think. I'll
2: give them like six hundred.
0: Okay. So. Yeah,
1: I'll go i I'll go. will go, I'll go like five. Five fifty. Yeah,
0: sixty percent chance. This is Vegas. They would have the best odds, so maybe they do. Maybe they <laughs> do roll their dice on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but something that I do think might intrigue the both of you is sixty-five. Now, not the number itself, but what that number represents. You see, let me take you on a journey. Uh, There's a new horror film from A Quiet Place director, Scott Beck and Brian Woods. They will write write and direct the film. It will star one Mr. Adam Driver, who plays an opioid addict who has become a hopeless shadow of his former self. He's involved in some kind of catastrophic incident. And the only other person to emerge from the crash is a nine-year-old girl who speaks a different language. And the two of them must work together to survive. And on top of huh. that, one of the producers on this is Sam Raimi, odds the great and powerful. Zone Sam Raimi. So Dan, hear that premise: the actor, the writers and directors, the producer. Are you are you intrigued by sixty five?
2: Well, I, yeah. I mean, I'll watch Adam Driver do just about anything. I, I think he's <laughs> he's one of those actors that's like eminently watchable.
0: I want to see him do his taxes. That's why I want to see him make next.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you get Sam Raimi on board, and it's an interesting premise. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Why not, right?
1: Russell, you interested? Yeah, I am. Like, uh, kind of what you said, you know, the actor, the, everybody behind it, the the premise of it. I'm I'm curious. Yeah.
0: All right. That's awesome. So we're all on the same page. I mean, Adam Driver, he's pretty good at picking his projects, for the most part. He'll have his The Dead Don't Die every now and then. But for the most part... He's pretty solid. And is J. Edgar. But he was just starting out, so we're not going to hold that against him. I you know, remember, remember, remember he was in J. Edgar for like a second. That was It was really weird. I remember him showing up I'm like, oh, wasn't he like a gas station attendant or something? Yeah, or was a yeah, yeah. Movie? It's think... just like, what?
2: It, but, it, but at the time, you wouldn't yeah. even notice. It,
0: it was before Adam Driver was Adam Driver. Yeah. Uh, so next door we're talking about. This is one I actually find pretty interesting. uh. uh Paul Thomas Anderson's next film. We we talked about it. Bradley Cooper joining the cast. Uh you, he's he's headlining the cast about a about a uh, 70s child star who attempts to live a regular life. Uh he I just added two more cast members, two more very unlikely cast members. Uh one being Benny Safty, uncut gems and good time director and star, and also Cooper Hoffman who is the son of the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, uh yeah, like uh, Bradley Cooper's already set to join the cat. Uh, he's already on the cast, and if you see the set photos, he looks like it looks like he's playing the sun in the Sunny Bono biopic. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of strange, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, Dan, uh, I want what what are your thoughts on, on uh, Paul Thomas Anderson as a whole? And you know, you hear I don't know how much you know about this film, but like, do you hear like the talent and the premise he's accruing? Uh, does it get you intrigued for what you know what this guy's doing next?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I generally have a pretty good. I, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of those directors that, even if I don't dig what he's doing, it's always interesting to me. So not all of his movies have been right up my alley, but they're they're interesting films. And so, first of all, uh, Benny Safdie in uh, Good Time, in addition to being you know, obviously, a talented writer director, was really good in that movie,
0: he he does not and, get he does not get enough credit for how good he was in that movie. I actually thought he no. had a mental disability. I had to look it up. He doesn't, but he, he's, he's
2: really good in that movie. And then with Cooper Hoffman, um, you know, obviously there is a, a certain s- sentimentality, I guess, for lack of a better word, for the fact that you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was one of Paul P. T. Anderson's movies were, were a, a key part of his early career. So. And I, I don't think that he's the kind of director that's just going to cast somebody to make a headline or to be like, oh, look who I have in my movie. This will this will this will sell some, you know, makes cl- people will click on this. So I am I'm curious to see where this goes, as I am with most of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, because he's one of those directors that I'm always intrigued by whether I whether I enjoy the movie itself or not.
0: Uh, Russell, you know, thoughts on uh, Paul, thoughts on Paul Thomas Anderson's latest latest outing.
1: I mean, I'm on board. I like. I mean, you know, Bradley Cooper. We've talked about this before. I think he's really coming into his own right now as an actor. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, kind of like what Dan said. You know, you go in and watch. Like he, if you don't like the movie, you still get stuff out of it. You are still uh, applaud the effort that was made. You know what I mean? I, I thought Phantom Thread was fine, um, and you always get. You know, it's it's one of those things. Paul Thomas Anderson's films always. Uh, you know, drop conversation and stuff like that. So that's that, that's showing a, you know, a good filmmaker because, you, you know, upon rewatches of sh- of movies and stuff like that, you get different things out of them uh, each time you watch it. Because I remember I just watched Boogie Nights and when I first saw it, I mean, I think I saw it in 97, I think when it came out, um, I was like 15, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I really didn't get what I obviously got out of it now, do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, he's a great director. And I think, you know, putting Cooper Hoffman in there, um, not you know, not just saying, hey, look, you know, you know, this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Maybe he does spot some talent there, and we can maybe kind of pass the torch onto, you know, the next of kin, which I think would be great because you know Philip Seymour Hoffman, kind of what we said about Chadwick Boseman, you know, just tragically you know cut short of such a you know talent, and it just you know it stinks. But yeah, I really would like to see
0: maybe Cooper Hoffman maybe
1: develop a career out of this too, you know.
0: He didn't really work with kids, has he, Paul Thomas Anderson? No. So this is, to is uh, be an interesting challenge for him.
2: Yeah. A little bit in uh, Magnolia. Um, little, little yeah, bit a little there, bit there,
0: but like on the whole. Like, a little bit there will be blood too. Yeah, but this is yeah, like gonna be like, a, like a main, like a main role. So. No, not in like a main main role though. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that that the prospect of that intrigues me a lot, and it's gonna be interesting because you know they say like never work with kids or animals, and he hasn't worked with animals yet. <laughs> he should have made. He, he should have made that Doolittle little movie with Robert Downey Jr. Would have been way, been way better. Oh my god, love it! Oof, yikes! Yeah, yikes! Ah. Uh, n- next door something that actually broke today that I'm actually quite interested in. Uh, we are getting a in the grand tradition of, of Francis Ford Coppola going back and messing with his old projects. Uh, the Godfather Three is going to get a complete restoration, re-edit, and it's even got a new title. Uh, so long, Godfather Three. Hello, Mario Puzo's The Godfather: Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Make that a hashtag. It's hmm. a l- long-ass title, but a uh, couple is going to oversee the project, and he's what he said is this: uh, it's an acknowledgement of, Mario, of Mario's and my preferred title and our intentions for what became The Godfather Part Three. Uh, for the version of the finale, I created a new beginning and ending, and rearranged some scenes and shots and music cues. Uh, With these changes in the restored footage and sound to me is a more appropriate conclusion to the Godfather and Godfather part two. Now that he did not say whether or not he's going to re going to edit out his daughter. I was going to say, I hope (laughs) so. I really hope so. Well, you can't
2: though. She's an integral part of the story.
0: I know she is, but Dan, I can dream. Uh, I can dream. (laughs) I,
2: I, I am one of those people that I'm, I'm not on the Godfather three hate train. I think it's an average
0: movie. I agree. Behind
2: two masterpieces. So, but I also, I I don't really know what you could add to it by re, I mean, it's already kind of long, but I don't really know if reshuffling it is going to change anything substantially. I don't know, unless they, unless they shot a whole alternate ending scene, like Little Shop of Horrors then I don't really know what it's going <laughs> to change substantially. But I, he did this with Apocalypse Now also. It's just like, it's the same movie, just that one was just like longer.
0: Yeah, a couple times. And really, Scott, he, made, he just made a career out of it. Look oh, at what he did Blade Runner. Yeah. He's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to the movie every 10 years and make it slightly <laughs> better or slightly worse. We'll see. We'll give it a try.
2: Or slightly the same movie.
0: Or slightly the same. <laughs>
2: after, you t- after you strip <laughs> out the voiceover... Really, it's just the same movie with some revisions.
0: Yeah. It all depends on whether, whether or not you want uh, you, know, you, you want to end up with a unicorn or you want to see you know, Harrison Ford and Shawnee living at the beach and sipping right. Mai Tais. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Russell, I mean, I know you're a huge fan of the first two Godfathers. This is something that you're going to be you know, inclined to check out. So you want to see maybe he can actually bring, bring this trilogy to a close in a more satisfying, more satisfying way.
1: I mean, kind of what Dan said. I mean, yeah, we already got it kind of closed down. I don't know how we're really gonna close it again. Well, we've already closed the door. Are we gonna open it up and close? It? I don't know. Um, yeah, obviously the third one. I mean, when you're following up two masterpieces, man. I mean, you're not. It's always gonna get that comparison. It's not the Godfather one. It's not the Godfather two. Obviously, I mean, those are two, you know, test of time, like all time great movies. You know, you're just you know. Um, I mean, I'm curious enough just because I love the you know, the franchise as a whole. to go see it but um i don't really know what we can do that we haven't like you know already done like we're just shuffling things around and adding different scores and stuff like that i don't know what really that's going to drive and make different in the film but uh i mean i'm game to go see it so whatever
0: Yeah, um, i mean definitely see when it comes out i think i think he just re-edited apocalypse now again also if i'm not mistaken yeah like there's 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 so many apocalypse now it's hard to keep up (laughs) <laughs> I got my I which got one's my, the main
1: one the, is it the redux is the is the, is the, is the one that the, everybody says to watch the,
0: the redux is the one that's why they said it it's the best version yes
1: okay that's what I saw that's I think that's the one I, I watched when I first saw it
0: yeah uh, I mean
2: it's a version I think they're both they're both good
0: oh yeah yeah it's crazy to think that only one actor for that movie got an Oscar nomination
2: what for Apocalypse Now
0: yeah like, there's so much great there's so much great acting in that film it fact, really is. The fact that you only want to get yeah, it out, right. Robert Duvall, who's great, but no Martin Sheen, no Brando. No Brando. No Brando when he still no cares. Brando.
1: Brando's good.
0: Oh yeah. Uh we now na- uh final the final block of news is all our Disney stuff. We reserved that for the end because we are shills. Uh first story <laughs> we're talking about is there is in the category of reboots, there is another haunted mansion in the works, which seems to be a recurring story of the twenty tens. Everyone's trying to do this. Everyone thinks they can do it, but he's like, you know what? And, uh, if they turn Del Toro away, who who stands a chance? Well, Kate, well, writer Kate Dippold says, you know what? Let, let, let me pick that up. Uh, Kate <laughs> Dippold, writer of such films as The Heat, Spy, Ghostbusters, and Snatched. Not a great track record, really. Not a great track Spy is, record. Uh, Spy is great. Spy's Spy is a good movie. Spy, Spy, Spy is, is,
1: is is pretty solid. Spy is I, yeah, great. I, 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 I'll give it she, she's, spy's she's, a good
2: she's, movie she's, i did not bad bad hate bad. ghostbusters she's batting 500 uh, s- snatched is not great Snatch is not good that's probably her worst no. and the heat is not was well, not my favorite either
0: right so uh do you think this is do you think this is a good choice for a haunted mansion film i mean i, I, I feel like i know your answer but i want to hear i want to hear you say it
2: I would rather see a movie about the churro stand outside of Frontierland <laughs> than see another haunted mansion movie.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Cool. Someone give that degree. No, you know what? You know what? How about this one movie? It's Die Hard, but it's at Disneyland, and the only person still in the park is the guy running the churro stand because he didn't because yeah. he didn't leave the park in time.
1: I'll yeah. oh, shit if I see news on that tomorrow
0: that they already started filming it. <laughs> oh god, I, I, you know what, Dan, Dan you, you end you the story. We're, we're moving on. We're not, gonna, we're not going to top that. We're moving Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Next, next story. It's great. <laughs> it's cold. Only. <laughs> uh, and anyway, something that's a little, that's a little more exciting. Uh, Mandalorian season two has just gotten its release date. There's a lot of speculation on whether or not it was actually going to come out this year due to, uh, you know, COVID delays. But the story said it's already shot. We already finished it, and it is coming out this year. It's got a release date of October 30th, 2020. I'm not even going to go to you, Russell, because I know you still haven't watched it, because we're just saying that for later in the month with Alex Damon. (laughs) But going to you, Dan, I'm not sure if you actually watched it, Dan, but uh, have you seen The Mandalorian, and are you excited for season two?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I loved it, and I'm very excited for season two. And I think that, uh, in a weird way... I'm not shocked that there weren't delays because when you looked at how they filmed it, like it, it looked like they primarily filmed the whole show with people in a big empty room alone against those video backdrops. So I bet it was kind of easy to 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 film it because you can, were you're just in a big empty soundstage. <laughs>
0: they were ahead of the curve.
2: Yeah, they they knew they knew what was up. So <laughs> uh, you know, I kid. But uh, no, I, I'm super excited, and and the the first season really. Uh, really impressed me. And so, you know, w- depending on where they go, I hope they don't take a super hard turn into like, here's a Star Wars character, you know, here's a Star Wars character, you know, here's a Star Wars character, you know, because I know that they're already talking about Ahsoka bringing her in and, uh, oh, you but, but, know, but I, Boba Fett, I, I Rex,
0: Bo Katan, y- Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah
2: I, I hope they just, uh, I hope they just, uh, kind of continue to blaze their own trail with the connections that they currently have. I, I don't want it to be like, but it's really about
0: the Emperor's
2: ghost. Like, no, <laughs> thank you. But, but no, da- we already did that. But
0: Dan, the dead speak.
2: Yes, with a, the dead speak.
0: Dead speak. <laughs> uh, uh, what? No, so, what, 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 what would you name a Yoda baby, Dan? Um,
2: whoa, whoa, like if I was going to name like a little child.
0: If you, if you were going to uh, name the, the Yoda child. What would you name
2: him? Ooh. Let's see.
0: And also, is the Churro guy from the blockbuster <laughs> Disneyland Die Hard series? Is he making an appearance <laughs> in this show?
2: No, I oh, no, the Churro boy. stand guy. Is, he's not. He's not quite to that galaxy yet. Yeah, I don't know, baby. Because the Yodas don't look like anything, so it's like uh, I might name him like Flappy. Flap. Because he's got big ears <laughs> like Dumbo, Dumbo's. <and> then, like <laughs> name it, baby Yoda would be Flappy.
0: Flappy. Ooh, the, I like into to it. Flappy. Use the force, young Flappy. Yes. Flappy. I I named something like really basic like Tom or Cliff. Yeah. George. George. El, El Elmer. <laughs> Trish Trish. It might be a girl. We don't know.
2: I like I like a, a little girl baby owner named Trish.
0: Yes. See? Master Trish. Uh next star we're talking about uh Rain the Last Dragon, which was set to come out this year, uh, November of this year, twenty twenty. Uh, it, well, it, it was announced as was moved. I think it moved to March of next year. And it is now na- announced that they are got a new voice actress in Miss Kelly Marie Tran. I'm assuming they're trying to make, make it up to her for only having her on screen for like a minute and a half, if that's in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so uh, the, original, the, the original voice actress was, uh, I believe her name was Cassandra Steele or Cassie Steele. So something along those lines. She was on. She was on Degrassi. I know that. But hmm. if you see, if you see this movie, Cassie Steele—that that was her name. If you see, like you know, what movie is going for? It's a very Asian-heavy influence. So they did go for an Asian lead. So uh, Dan, how do you feel about uh, Kelly Marie Tran getting uh, her next, you know, her next big break after getting shafted in Star Wars Episode Nine?
2: I'm not very familiar with the original at all, so I can't really. Compare uh, her to to the I'm the not, I'm not r- either, but <laughs> uh, original film, I, I will say that I've I have for a long time now felt bad for Kelly Marie Tran because you you see how how happy she was. At the beginning, to be in Star Wars, and just she was having this ultimate fan experience. It's like it's like the it's like Dancing in the Dark when Bruce Springsteen pulls Courtney Cox up on stage. It's like what me? Um, and then I think that she's had to deal with a lot of she had to deal with a lot of garbage surrounding Last Jedi in general, and then to kind of be set up and i think john boyega i, I agree with a lot of what he had to say because this really happened to john boyega too where you're set up in a movie to have this big role and then the next movie comes out and you're sort of sidelined i think the same thing with kelly marie tran which was she was set up to have a major role in this last movie and then the next movie comes out and they don't know what to do with her so she, i hope that she this is a study she had to study sure um i hope that this is a role that uh, that is good for her a nice a good part for her a nice meaty good role for an actor and i hope she does really well because i i just feel bad you see you see it's a an increasing number of people who are in, involved in these new star wars movies for which that's that involvement seems to have turned into a complete nightmare so i wish her the best
0: i mean i i concur and uh you know I, I was there when they unveiled the. Well, I, I was there in the room when they did the whole like panel for D twenty three, and a lot of it actually looks really good. They had a writer behind uh, Crazy Rich Asians on this thing. Uh, they have a lot of really talented people, so I'm glad that she got a, you know, she, she got a nice, a nice, you know, new project after being burned in the Star Wars franchise. But Russell, what, what, what do you think? You excited to see Kelly Marie Tran get a, you know, get a, get another good gig?
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see somebody kind of just like kind of what Dan was saying with the whole Star Wars thing. You know, you have this storyline, you have so many ideas, but you don't, you know, you have, you're overloaded on ideas of what to do. And then you don't write it in. And then, you know what I mean? Somebody suffers because of it. So, yeah, she gets her shot to shine here. Hopefully, you know, she does well in it and maybe she can, uh, you know, salvage a career out of it, you know?
0: And I will say, I, I mean, I'm happy for Callum Marie Tran. I do kind of feel bad for Cassie Steele because I, I imagine she got this gig and she was really excited. It's like, ah. This is my next big break. This is where Cassie comes back <laughs> to the mainstream. He's like, what? I've been recast. Aw. So I do hope. I do hope that she you know, lands on her feet. I hope Disney gives her another throw her a bone, give her another movie. You could. You could do something with her. I'd
2: say. I'd say s- screw off, Disney. <laughs> Enough with you.
0: <laughs> I mean, sure. If, if, if you if you if you, you guys say to screw off, and I wouldn't blame you if you did. But you know, if if Disney would be so inclined to give her another movie. I wouldn't be mad at it. But again, if Cassie Steele wanted to say, screw
2: you, I get it. The paycheck would be nice. I, pro-
0: I probably would not say that. I'd say, thank <laughs> you. Yes. <laughs> I would <laughs> love to. <laughs> screw, screw you, Disney. Oh, Oh wait, what are you paying me? Never mind. How much? Oh. <laughs> Unsc- unscrew you, Disney. <laughs> Where are the space horses? Yes. <laughs> and the last story we're talking about today is uh, Mulan. It was announced that... Uh, ahead of its drop, which I believe takes place tomorrow or today, as of this dropping, uh, it will be available to all users in December. So uh, it was announced it's going to be a premium rental fee, a premium early access fee, I should say now for uh, $29.99. Uh, but it is now, but now you have the option to you know wait until December. So Dan, you actually you've seen this. So do you yeah. think that? Do you think that it's worth paying? I'm not gonna going to you go into the whole review of it because you already have that's on your channel, there's your plug, but you will do it at the end of the, the, end of the episode. But Thank you. Uh, do you think that this was? Do you think this is worth the thirty dollars? Do you think that people should just wait out till December?
2: Uh, no, and yes. Um, I, I it's, it's, I'm shocked that they announced when they dropped the movie. When it was going to be free for everyone, and I'm further shocked that it's only three months because they want, they need this. This was like a two hundred million dollar movie, and they need people to shell out for this thing. And like three months, literally, people just waited six months for this movie to come out. Like they can, they're gonna wait three more if it saves them thirty bucks. Like I get if you have a family, sure, but but I, I it's. The whole like I kind of got the thing behind the premium rental fee and et cetera, but I thought that was like that was it. That's how you got it was you could watch Mulan if you rented it, and then like maybe a year later it'd be on Disney Plus. But like three months, that's nothing to save thirty bucks. Yeah, why that's nothing. So I I don't get the timing on it at all in any way, shape, or form.
0: No, the ti- no the timing on those announcements is just it's bad form on their part. But I also think it's very telling that. They I think they've already kind of accepted the fact that they we're we're gonna take a hit on this no matter what, so we may as well just let's just let's just show all our cards. We don't have shit. Just wait. We gotta ten, just we gotta...
2: push it till next year. They should have just I waited. I mean no, I agree. They
0: should have just waited. But but they decided so just weird. like show show all their cards, like we ain't got shit. We got a ten high. That's all we got. We we put all our chips down anyways. So uh Russell, you have a family. Uh I ow. do. Uh, how are you going to be watching Mulan? You'll be watching it tomorrow, September fourth, or you're going to be waiting till <laughs> December, December fourth, to watch this. Uh,
1: I'm waiting till December, December
0: fourth, man. Not Ooh, no let, Ella, letting you know, letting your five, daughter down, down five, so. letting your daughter down.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> but she hasn't really like said too much about it. So like, I can't sit there and say that because honestly, if she really wants to see it, I mean, we're going to get it. I mean, there's just no question about it. I mean, we did do. uh scoop when it came out we did trolls uh when it came out so i mean we do support you know it's like we don't support that um but kind of what dan said man it's like you're you know it shows you're really not really confident in the whole entire product that you're putting out when you have it on VOD, you know for twenty nine ninety nine, and then you're gonna say, well, three months later you can get that for free. Well, then we're just gonna wait. I mean, it's just it, there's no there's no reason to buy it to r- rush out for. It, you know what I mean? You've waited six, you can wait another three. So yeah, I mean, tentatively right now, wait. But um, like I said, if Ella, you know, Ella really hasn't, um, you know, she's still into the uh, the frozen, uh, you know, stuff and stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's one of those things. But I mean, if she wants to see it tomorrow. Yes, I will. Uh, I will not, uh, uh, you know, keep that from her. But uh, as of right now, yeah, waiting I think is the best choice, especially because we subscribe to it. So it's like, why not? <laughs> yeah, so,
2: yeah. Uh, I just think it had to be thirty bucks and six months, or fifteen bucks and three months. But like thirty bucks and three months, I, I don't know. It's or I would be okay.
1: Or I would be okay with okay. Well, we're going to release it out on Blu-ray. You buy it on Blu-ray and then you get the digital copy too. I would totally do that because I like physical media, and on top of it, I can download it onto an app that I could, you know, put on her iPad or something like that, so where she can watch it or we can watch it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so right. to me, I would be, I would be even fine with that to to put it out on physical media now.
0: Well, look, if you're dying to see Mulan and you're like, I need Mulan, I inject it in my veins right now, Disney. You can pay the thirty bucks on the fourth, or if you just want, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to wait to see how it plays out. You can... <laughs> I mean,
2: if it was Avengers
0: Endgame, yes. Oh, if it was Endgame, I'd pay, I'd pay way more. <laughs> I would uh, pay way more than 30 bucks.
1: Right, but, end th- end but there's game. that
2: whole moment of like, I can't wait to see what happens. It's like, spoiler alert, she fights the army. And like you know what happens it's a remake of a movie that already exists and a tale that already exists like there's no like I've got to find out what happens in Mulan like I
1: we all know what happens in Mulan
0: wait she fights the army oh I didn't know that (laughs) oh I'm sorry Chance but if it was
1: Mulan Endgame I'm watching it tonight
0: (laughs) if it was Mulan if it was like an entire army of Mulans Dude,
1: I'm, I'm down. I'm at, I'm watching it
0: right now. As soon as we get off this call, dude, I'm I'm done. You get Guardians of the Galaxy Mulan's. You get Wakanda <laughs> Mulan's. You get Asgardian <laughs> Mulan's. You're pitching things 3-8? that are way more exciting to me than the actual movie. Oh, <laughs> burn, burn, Uh Well, either way, that is well, that is Dan's thoughts on Mulan. That is the final story of our notorious news segment, which means we now move on. See the main event, our movie of the week. That is Seven. So, Seven uh, came out all the way back in 1995. This movie's 25 years old. This movie could maybe get a mortgage. I'm not sure you only you probably get a mortgage at any <laughs> age. Well,
2: oh, I think it's more income-based, but, uh, but, but yes, I think, I, think a, I think a well-earning 25-year-old can definitely get a mortgage.
0: Probably, I mean, and this movie definitely well-earned. I mean, you look, you got... This was probably a big risk of the time. Look, David Fincher had an awful experience on Alien Cubed. He couldn't yes. enter the editing bay. He's basically forced into making this movie that he did not want to make. And so he's like, hey, you know what, Fox, screw you. I'm going to go work over at New Line. And New Line, I think in this movie you can see a lot of things that would become like David Fincher staples. And we'll yeah. address that over the whole discussion. And you know, usually what we do here is we have to you know, talk over the, you know, the movie at face value. But I think with a film like this, that's just so like, you know, devil in the detail. I think it'd be more beneficial... To actually talk about like the, the deeper elements of like what makes this film work, so I mean, just a quick plot rundown. This movie is about uh, two detectives, Somerset and Mills, played by Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman being, you know, he's like the Danny Glover, few days, a few days away from retirement. Except he's actually doing it this time. He's not gonna say I'm too old for this and then keep going. No, he's <laughs> actually retiring. And then you got upstart detective Mills, who's got his nice wife, uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, they're trying to you know make it in the city. Until a series of gruesome murders comes along, which they are roped into based on the seven deadly sins, uh, they go, they go along. They're really having a tough time cracking this case until the murderer just seemingly shows up at the police station. You question, you question why, uh, until we find out that uh, he is there to really kind of fulfill, you know, c- kind of really like fulfill the final test of the, the the final test of these seven murders. In that the last one, the second to last one being. Himself, John Dale, played by Kevin Spacey, who we'll address in a second, and the last one, Wrath, who doesn't get murdered, but he gets a fate that's kind of worse, uh, being Mills himself, Brad Pitts. So something that watching this again, because it may have been a while since I've seen this film, this movie, like it omits a lot. I, I, we talk about this a lot during Jaws. This really does take the concept of the less you see, the more you get, and it really kind of elevates it because there are some really gruesome murders in this. And I think a really effective element that you don't see a lot of it. You really get to the aftermath of everything.
2: Yeah, I'd forgotten with Greed that you you see pictures of the body, but by the time they show up, you don't even see. You you know, you see the crime scene, and then you see the body. It, It is really effective what Fincher shows and what he doesn't show. Uh, you know, the the guy who's tied to the bed. I mean, that's still oh. even when you know what's coming, it's well, still uh, shocking. Yeah. No, yeah, the,
0: the the sloth sloth because the I think sloth maybe got it the worst of anybody because what well, they what did to him. Yeah, no, he was yeah. tied to a bed for a year, uh sedated yeah. and just like left there just left there for an entire year. And you think he's dead, but no, he's alive and it the sight of his like just anemic pale body the shit out of you. And he's still alive. That's, that's the scary part. The fact yeah. that he's still alive during all this, that's horrifying. It's yeah. funny, because I was watching
1: this, and I, I, I'd seen it a bunch, obviously, when it came out in 95, but rewatching it, I'm like, I think this guy comes to li- like, comes, I think he's still alive. And sure as shit, it, it's amazing what you've retained from movies that, like, you know what I mean? There's certain scenes that stick out in your head that you can always go back to and call back to. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he's alive. And sure as shit, and, when he goes over to it, he starts like, you know, coughing or whatever, and he's like awake, awake, and it's like it scares the hell out of you. But yeah, it's just it's it's crazy the, the power that Fincher really puts into this film. Again, like what you said about things that you'll later on see that are common uh, Fincher tropes.
0: Yeah, uh, 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 close second for as far as like, you know, who got the worst? I think close second would probably be lust because the way that lust gets killed, she's a woman, she's a prostitute. So oh, yeah. He forces this dude at gunpoint to like strap on this sex toy with a blade. And then I have sex huh. with her. So it was just like, and look, I don't even have a uterus rupture, and I felt this. I'm like, ow. <laughs> ouch, like, and and that's the one, that's the one where that like, you don't even see like the body. You just like see the, the words "lust" written in blood over a bed. You see the yeah. sex toy, and like your mind fills in the rest. You're like, oh god, this, this poor, this poor woman, man, this poor, poor woman. It's and like, then they
2: have that great, you know, Leland Orser with that with that just, um frantic performance is the guy who was forced to do it.
0: Yeah.
2: And, oh and, yeah. And I think that's part of really when you look at what he's what what the murders are is you don't just kill somebody, it's you know, you're ruining other lives too and and you know when you think about like with John Doe is it is it as much about the punishment for the living as it is the, for the punishment for the dead, all of these intended consequences because that's definitely his goal with mills is Obvi- you know he has to live now with what's happened, and right. so many other people involved in this too were left with you know the, whether it's the wife of the lawyer who was left left or the guy who had to do the 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 lust uh, act. Uh, there's just so many so much collateral damage. It's uh, you know it's either that it, it just makes John Doe that much more sadistic because he either knew that he was going to be ruining these people's lives forever or he didn't care. And either way, it's
0: just
2: sadism at its worst.
0: So I want to take a little and, time. To, okay, go ahead, Russell.
1: No, I was just going to say, and 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 literally, like, think about the meticulous, you know, w- you know, planning that went through all this. Obviously, when they raid his house, well, raid we will use in air quotes because they really don't legally do it. But um, just all the planning to to carry out all these seven deadly sins. Like this guy was sadistic to the to the core. You know, it's really, really, really disturbing.
0: So I want to talk about the quote-unquote holy trinity of characters in this film. You got Mills, you got Somerset, and then you got John Doe. So, like I said, John, uh, I'm sorry, Somerset played by Morgan Freeman. He's older, he's wiser, he has a different viewpoint on this job. He's also very meticulous in his work, he's also very good at being a cop. So, no, weird, and no, then you get to John Doe, who throughout the movie, you very clearly tell that he is, like I said, very meticulous with these murders, and Something I know is watching it again, like, the two of them parallel each other to a scary degree. Like, they are basically opposite sides of the same coin. Yin and Yang, yeah. Yeah, and it's. And I think this movie like, really helps showcase that effect on Mills. Because, you know, you have, Summer, you have Somerset with Mills, who Mills is this young upstart. But the thing is about Mills, he's very impulsive. He's very, yeah. he's kind of like, he's kind of like a big kid. So much show Showcase. showcased. I'm not sure this is done on purpose or on accident, but a lot of his clothes, I don't know if you guys notice. They're, it they're very like loose fitting. They're very big on him. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he's a kid, like playing cop.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, because well, it's, it's implied, you know, they come down from this smaller town upstate. I love that they never tell you where we are. <laughs>
0: It's just upstate. And, upstate. You know,
2: they were just upstate from where they were. But yeah, it's basically, I think that is sort of what what they bring to that character is he's finally getting to be a cop for the first time. And it's like a kid playing spaceman, except if he actually got to be an
0: astronaut. Like, yeah, he wants to be a hot shot because he finally has the chance. Speaking of which, yeah. did it, anybody else think that this was New York for the entire time until you got to the oh, end? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, New York. Until you see desert, you're like, wait, that's yeah, not New York. Uh, no, it's, it's
0: like, <laughs> yeah. uh, as much as it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be Los Angeles, as much as it's supposed to be Los, Los Angeles, this so felt like New York City. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I was reading, because I, I was kind of reading a little bit about the making of the film, which is that Andrew Kevin Walker based the experience of the writing the film on New York, which he hated. He hated living yeah. in New York. And so he wrote this, this city to be this, just, this <laughs> cesspool. Of just misery, uh, you know, yeah. inspired by New York. I don't think it's that to be to 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 be clear. That Andrew Kevin Walker thought it was that.
0: Yeah, no. Like, I, yeah. Andrew Kevin Walker's viewpoints on New York do not reflect the reviews. Uh, you know, yes. going to this show or anybody here. Um, but I also think that you know John Doe. Okay, look, I think I can speak for everybody on the panel when I say Kevin Spacey is a disgusting human being. He is a vile, vile Absolutely. person. And uh, we are we are all happy to see that he has been exposed for The Monster Truly Is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That being said, he comes in, he hasn't come in until like an hour and a half into this two-hour film, and he comes in and he steals the entire thing.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah. you look at it's... this
0: guy, and it's, his performance is much more chilling now, given what we know about him in real life. Yeah. But just the way he comes in, the way how poised he is, just how like proper... And how he truly believes what he's doing is not only right, but he was selected for it. Like, it's a yeah. very chilling portrayal of a serial killer.
1: Yeah.
2: It is. It, it, this was the, I think this is actually the first Kevin Spacey thing that I've watched since uh, all that, you know, yeah. stuff came out. Um, it's a struggle. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I do think that there is. And people that say that I don't want to separate it and I and I never want to see him again, I understand yeah. that instinct. I that's, really no, that's, do. That's honestly, that's um, fair.
0: That's honestly very fair. Absolutely, it's Absolutely. fair. I
2: I wouldn't judge anybody for saying that. You know, I I think that there's so much of of separation that is just you know, you're already in watching a movie, you're already separating what you're watching from the person, the actual person, because that's the nature of acting. Yeah. Uh, so it it was a, it was a bit of a struggle, but yeah, I mean standing outside of that, it's like, what a... I mean, he, he had this and Usual Suspects in 1995, and, I mean, that's crazy. That's a crazy year um, to have year. both of those movies in one year.
0: Absolutely. So, and I think that... Another thing, another layer I like about this film is the fact that... I kind of alluded to it, but it's the way that you see, like, a young cop would approach a case like this versus an older cop. Like, you look at Morgan Freeman. He's really trying to... Understand like what's going on here, whereas Brad Pitt just wants to write John Doe off like he he's just crazy, and even yeah. Summer said he has that like one throwaway line where like don't call him crazy that that's just, that's dismissive, and I think that's kind of, I think that's more of a larger point in regards to Seven because like look, look at just look look at what John Doe's doing like he's committing these horrific murders, but he's doing it in a way that. Again, it can be seen as in a biblical sense because, like you know, the seven daily sins is the basis for all these murders. But he's doing it to people who are somewhat morally repre- reprehensible. Like, like not, he's not—he's not like a, he's not like targeting good people. He's targeting people who have like done things, except for the gluttony guy. He—he he didn't really do anything. He's just—he just kind of bigger. Just wanted, to, yeah. Just wanted to eat. But something well, I noticed—the yeah. fact well, I... that good.
2: It's an interesting choice because the only the only lens through which we see these people, though, is his lens. Yes, I mean, we you know we call the defense attorney morally reprehensible. Well, you know, based on the description that 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 he gives, then yes. But the 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 real truth of the matter is that defense attorneys are a necessity. That's true in the legal system.
0: No, that is. Um,
2: they 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 are required to exist. So. Was this guy a really scummy one? Maybe Was he just a guy who that, that was his job was to be a defense attorney? Maybe. Yeah. I think that that's something that they do really interestingly, which is that you don't know any of these victims really, other than the last two, obviously.
0: Two, obviously. prior
2: to what happens to them, you see them through the lens of how John Doe sees them,
0: and I think yeah. that
2: really informs you know you, you, th- that's a really good way to bring him in, to bring the audience or the viewer into his headspace.
0: Yeah, and I also think that the scary part about John Doe is the fact that characters in the movie empathize with him. Like you look at the way he killed Sloth, because the the guy who's he's who who did that, or the guy the victim, I think he was like a drug dealer and a, and a cop killer. He was he was some yeah. kind of criminal. I forgot his exact the exact. We call him a, pe- a pederast. Pederast and, and a drug dealer. That was it. Yeah, again another weird line to hear now after you know we've learned things. Um, but you hear that, and like there's there's like a scene where like a, like one of the SWAT guys where he's just like he's like burned like he's like, a, like you got what you deserve before we find out he's alive, and then even the doctor in the hospital who's like looking after him he's just like well I mean after all that suffering it's like got hell to look forward to, so it's not only a case of like he's build it, it, that's the scariest part of it is the fact he's trying to build someone that normal people can empathize with, because. I mean yeah it's gruesome, but like say say like you're a, a bystander or like a civilian in this world, and you see on the news that a guy who's you know a pederast and uh does who's done other bad things too was just like tortured for a year like you're not gonna feel bad about it I think he portrays that i think he portrays that aspect really well, especially during the last scene because the last scene my, my favorite scenes come in the final the final minutes of the film. The first, of, first, the first one of which is where it's John, it's John Doe, Somerset's, and Mills in the car. I like that whole exchange because you really, like I said, it really emphasizes just how different their approach to jobs are between Somerset and Mills. Because Mills is just going all in on this guy. He thinks he's nuts. He thinks he's a scumbag. He, does, he just doesn't want to... He, he just wants to put this guy away for good and be done with it. Whereas yeah. Somerset takes a more nuanced approach to it. Like he, he's trying to see, like, why is he doing this? Why is this all happening? What is this all building up to? He knows that this isn't done. But yeah. Mills is just writing this off completely. And I feel like that 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 builds up the climax. Then we get to the climax. They get they go out to the Jamila Desert. A delivery dude just, like, shows up out of nowhere with a box. Morgan Freeman opens this box. We don't see what's in it. Again, props to David Fincher like, withholding that – we don't see what's in it. In
2: my mind, by the way, because it's been a while since I'd seen it, in my mind there was a cutaway to what was in it. So was there? That's good oh. work on David. No, uh, I just mean that's great work on David Fincher's part because I had remembered it was it was it was done so vividly and viscerally that I had remembered that you saw what was in the box when you never did.
0: Uh, oh, oh yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I get you. Yeah, kind, kind of kind uh, of like a like a Mandela effect kind of thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: But Fincher, Fincher builds such great suspense in the scene, though.
0: You know what I mean? Like even the aerial shots,
1: like you see the helicopters and stuff like that. Like he he does a great job building to this this like crescendo of this moment.
0: Yeah. No. So uh, we don't we don't we don't even hear what's in the box. Like Somerset doesn't even say what's in the box when he opens it. He's just like like okay, I gotta get to Mills because John Doe has the upper hand now. And then we find out that John Doe, the ultimate guy, he like he's envied Somerset because. I mean, you look at what John Doe's done. Which is his apartment he's surrounded by he's literally like in a cage of his own making because like he's surrounded by notebooks that he made. So he he's you feel like he's been chosen for this and his sin is envy. He envies Mills why because Mills for all intents, pur- for all intents and purposes has a normal life. That's something yeah. that he wants. So in his mind like he is like he is one of the seven sins. So he's like okay, you know what? I need to in order to fulfill my destiny. I need Mills. I need help Mills. So he needs to become Raff. Turns out what was in that box was Mills's wife's head. We also found out early in another scene that he was pre- that she was pregnant with Mills's kid. Yeah. And so, yeah. it, it, oh, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead, Dan. You go ahead.
2: No, I will say this. This is. I was watching it. I was watching a commentary track on Casablanca and Roger Ebert brought this up. And I think this is like, and I know this may sound ironic coming from a guy who used to write for honest trailers, but, um, but this is where a, a well-made movie logical fallacies almost like if, if you pick it apart, it's, you're, you're kind of going anti against the, because basically Ebert's thing was Casablanca. Yes. If you sit and you pick apart every little thing, then there are going to be things that don't make sense, but it's an incredibly well-made movie. And so you, you just have to have a suspension of disbelief there. And I think it's the same yeah. with this film, because if his master plan all along was to, you know, have this coup de grace with Mills, well, Mills just got there like two weeks ago and he started doing this a year
0: ago. Yes. So yeah.
2: if you sit and actually map it out, then it sort of falls apart. But that's not, you know, movies aren't documentaries. And I I think this is another example of the finished product is so well done and so like well crafted and just like that's such a evil way to take that story that you have to forgive it. You have to say it's a movie. Yeah. Or, or, you know, like there are some movies that have logical fallacies that hinder the story. Like this is a movie where the logical fallacies don't hinder the story. And so you just say it's a movie and, you know, you have to just you have to grant it some leeway when it comes to things yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, that's funny. to think of, cause look, look, we don't know what John Doe did before this. Maybe he maybe he was from, quote unquote, upstate's. And kept track of Mills before. <laughs> these be Baby. childhood friends. These <laughs> these be childhood friends. It's it's like yeah. it, it's like Inspector. You know, him and uh, Mills were ski buddies, and and Mills <laughs> just forgot. So we don't know. <laughs> it's why I'm glad that I don't. I'm not
2: required now necessarily. And I honestly, I don't think we did a lot of this with honest trailers. I'm glad that I don't have to sit and watch a movie and be required to look for these fallacies and pick them apart and bring them up because that's just no fun.
1: You can have more fun watching a movie.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh-huh. like, I, I, I mean, picking apart a Transformers movie is different because those things don't make any damn sense, and there's no narrative <laughs> consistency, but, like, this is a really well-made movie that, yes, if you break the logic apart, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it doesn't matter because it's a great movie.
0: Remind me to bring That's you clear. back whenever we do a Transformers film, if you're up for it. Don't
1: don't bring Rokko on, though, because he's going to defend Don't bring Rokko on. <laughs> exactly. we will, we'll not bring up John. We'll
0: we bring Dan back if you if you're so willing, but... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but what happens in the scene? He goes to he goes to Mills. He's like, we get the classic "What's in the box" line, and he's just like, "Look, Mills, throw down your gun. Just do not give him what he wants." And you, like, you know, like you see what Mills is going through. Oh, like you yeah. understand, like your pregnant wife was just murdered in an incredibly brutal way. And but you have like, but at the same time, you know, you know this is what he wants. You know this is his ultimate plan. But he still does it. He still shoots John Doe a couple times, actually because you M- know Mills is a clip.
1: weak because you know he's a weak character he's going to act on it again to go back to what you said he's impulsive he's going to act on that so you knew you you know he's going to do it you
0: know no you you, you do and honestly i think yeah. that in a way like he, you kind of get you kind of get the at that point you get the audience to see from Mills's point of view because yeah like it's on like a base level simplistic place so you would think that Mills is not he's in the wrong like you would think like what like what are you doing like you got this guy for like 6 counts of murder maybe more no it is 6 no it's 5 at this point sorry 5 counts of murder and like he's going to go he's going to go away for the rest of his life but at the same time it's like yeah. you know, what are you doing but then you think like oh yeah no this dude just lost basically everything well, so, you
1: also look at his like police like practices like he's paying people to say they saw something that they didn't see so they can get Basically, get that warrant to search John Doe's apartment. You know what I mean? Pretty much making stuff up to get that. You know what I mean? We know that he's not the most honest of cops. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of times you're watching a movie. And how many times you watch it and you're like, boy, Brad Pitt's an asshole in this film? You he know? Really, he really
2: is. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the thing is that I love and that I didn't really notice until this time is that he's not a particularly good policeman.
1: No, he's not. No.
2: Like when he, he goes does everything
1: to... like opposite. Yeah.
2: Yeah, everything's wrong. He goes, like, the crime scene, he's, like, with the lawyer, he's, like, walking around, he's sitting in the chair. It's just, like, dude, you have no idea how to act at a crime scene. That's what I love is, like, he's not a super cop. He's actually not a very good cop.
0: No, like, like Brad Pitt, what are you doing? That's evidence. That is evidence that you might be sitting on.
1: He's literally tampering. Yeah, he's tampering the crime scene. Like, what are you doing?
0: He he breaks an entering. He pays off people to give false testimonies. So he can justify what he did was wrong. Or,
1: no. or what do should I say justify what he did was right.
0: That's my yeah. Yeah, all in the name of catching the guy, which makes sense. But I think the, like the emotional crux of this film really it sets on summer because this is really, like his story. Because like I said, he's retiring. He's a bad He's about to be done with all of this. But then all this happened. It really was like changes. It really rocks his world, because he sees himself as like he's given all his entire life this job. Even say in an earlier yeah. scene, like he once had like someone he a woman he loved. That he wanted to be with, but because of the job, and he, they were going to have a kid, but because of the job, he like he could he couldn't do that. He couldn't settle down because like the job's going to need me at some point.
1: And it's such a good scene when he's talking to Gwyneth Paltrow about because yes. Gwyneth Paltrow obviously knows the reaction that Mills is going to give her when he finds when she you know when he finds out that she's pregnant. That's why she turns to Somerset because Somerset's not impulsive. He's somebody who actually takes it, listens, kind of can process it, and give solid, sound advice. And I and I like that scene at the the diner between the two of them. Um, it's a really it's a really touching scene just because of the fact that you you see there is some kind of regret in Somerset's past that he's like kind of like yeah he's like man yeah, I really kind of regret that decision but my life didn't allow it almost kind of the same thing right now for Mills like his life's not going to allow it now because he's just coming into a new job trying to be Mr Hero Cop and stuff like that you know what I mean
0: and he doesn't want Mills to make the same mistakes yeah. that he did from his past. Yeah, trying to be a, guide, a guiding light to him, but in the sense of that, he did kind of fail because he did end up shooting John Doe, going to who knows where. I'm not. I'm not sure what what happened to him in this case. There's no press charges against John Doe. But probably, he's definitely getting discharged. That's for sure. Uh,
2: I mean, yeah. I, I I don't. I would it be would it be murder? I, I guess it would. I mean, he he shoots an unarmed man. Uh, he does. I mean, that you could. You, I, you I don't. Could. I mean, you could charge him with murder, maybe probably not first degree murder, but or maybe, you know, probably manslaughter, something like that. But he's definitely facing some criminal charges. And honestly, you could the irony is he could perhaps mount the insanity defense that John Doe threatened to mount because you could say, yeah. Hey, listen, I was in a fit of rage. I had I hate you know, he he could get off, but he's certainly not gonna be a cop anymore. Just
1: uh, because you could not. say he, I was so consumed by the case, really. I was so consumed by this, you know, this case that I, I, I went crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, absolutely, and yeah, the fi- the final the the ending of this movie is a real. It, it's it's a it, it reminds me of like a, of uh, Chinatown, you know, g- it, like of that ending ending bit yeah. because you know, just Somerset he sees Mills get driven off in a police car, yeah. and uh, Arlie Ermy, who I did not recognize, admittedly, when I saw this movie because he wasn't shouting all of his dialogue. Because he had hair, <laughs> and and he had and he had hair. <laughs> uh, but it, but the eye the eyebrows that's what gave it away. <laughs> oh,
1: those caterpillars! Absolutely.
0: Uh, but he's just like, "Where are you going to be?" He's like, "I'll be around." He decides to not retire because he realizes that, yeah, if he leaves these new cops their own devices, like murders like this are just going to go by the wayside. He yeah. realizes that he is more relevant in this world than maybe he initially saw.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this idea that you know, handing the world off to a new generation or. Uh, You know, I I feel like uh, you you do see. I I like that they didn't go with the kind of pat thing of like he's the young hotshot and this and Morgan Freeman's the 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 old timer. And by the end of the movie, he trains him up enough to be a great cop. And right, you know, it's like no, he does nothing.
1: Yeah, there's nothing resolved.
0: Yeah, no, 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 nothing is resolved. You end up in like a really dour place and. Props to Fincher and the writer for like willing to go there and give us like this really like dark like edgy. I know know that word kind of like negative connotations now, but it really is like an edgy, edgy film, especially to come out like in the '90s with a film noir like this dark and like this dour and this truly disturbing. I think that it really set the table for like the amazing career David Fincher was going to have. For sure. Yeah. For me,
2: this is when his what we know of as David Fincher starts in my mind. With Seven. I mean, I know that he's, yes, yeah. he's got work previous, but like Seven to me is the first movie that I look at and I'm like, oh, yeah, David Fincher.
0: That's David Absolutely. Fincher. Absolutely.
1: Especially with the Nine Inch Nails homage at the beginning closer. So obviously his his partnership with Trent Reznor will end up seeing later on in his scores of his films.
0: Even, even that has like so many meanings to the song closer, just like my whole existence is flawed. Like that, that's yeah. a, like, a great allegory for John Doe. And that opening, the opening credits, by the way, doesn't get enough credit for how like good it is. I, oh, I love when tremendous. directors and editors yeah. go the extra mile for opening credits. You just, like,
1: Absolutely.
0: The way of like putting together like scenes, of mer- like the way it, be- it the movie begins, like almost mundane, like, like really like uneventfully. And then you go into like that yeah. really like dark, twisted, distur- like disturbing uh, opening credits. It's like it really tees you up for the movie you're about to get. And yeah, props to props to everyone involved. And yeah, uh, just, just just to think, you know, if had he got more control in Alien Three, he might not have gotten here. <laughs> like he might not have wanted <laughs> to retaliate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you know, final thoughts on Seven. I'll go to you first, Dan. I just it, it had been a while since I saw it and
2: and I had I had even forgotten how how good of a movie this was and it, it really does just keep you engaged and and with these characters and you know obviously yes it's got the Kevin Spacey of it all which is just going to hang over it but uh, it's it's such a good movie that it sort of overwhelms that um, because you just it's it's i love to see you breaking away from this traditional hollywood narrative and it could have just been a very generic thriller and it wasn't you could tell that everyone involved was in, was interested in making something completely different again i was reading some stuff and they said that you know the studio wanted to make it a lot more generic and everyone involved who'd signed on I, actor director everyone said we're gonna walk if you do this yeah. And I think that that was the right decision because we've seen we there's plenty of whatever Alex Cross and along came a spiders and what I mean, there's plenty of, of even mystery tales that that but that end the same way. And this one really does stand out as something that's that's wholly different and wholly original.
0: I agree. And final thoughts on seven Russell.
1: Yeah, kind of echo what Dan said. I mean, this movie ages perfectly. I mean, it does. I mean, it doesn't age. So you, it literally, you can watch it and like, damn, this movie could easily have been, you know, put out today. Um, kind of snowball what Dan said about a big year for Spacey, obviously. But even look at uh, Brad Pitt. You had twelve monkeys in this, really showcasing his acting skills. Um, so you know, we really started to see like how special, obviously, Brad Pitt was going to be. Like this guy was going to be a star because of the. Two different, like polar opposites of almost kind of you know character wise. Obviously, twelve monkeys and seven. But I love the relation. I love the oil and water relationship that Mills has with Somerset. They're completely opposite of one another. It's it's like Mills needs to be Somerset. Like he has to like like you want him to kind of like gravitate towards like adopting some of those behaviors and practices and stuff like that. But Fincher does a great job. This really, really puts the stamp on, Hey, you know, I'm going to be around for quite some time. You know, um, it's a fantastic film. I love the way he sets the suspense, kind of what we said about jaws last review. Um, not seeing a lot is actually a good thing. Like it really does help set the uh, table to, uh, to build the suspense. Um, I just really wanted to mention this real quick. Cause I had told chance about this. When they were talking about Milton's Paradise Lost quote, I thought this was interesting. I was kind of thinking about it, and I don't know, maybe you guys can help me out with this. But uh, the quote was, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. I always think that, like, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, this film is really kind of, is, is really echoing that quote, because hell is that the rain, the dreariness, the murder, the corrupt, you know what I mean? All that stuff that we see leads up to light. The end scene is the only scene that we see in daylight. We Everything else has been... You know, we've been hidden away in this like dreary, drowsy world, like hell. Like, you know what I mean? I just thought it was something. It was something that I was thinking about. And I just wanted to bring it up to you guys, see what you guys thought about it.
0: No, I mean, I I agree. Like, that's another really interesting parallel. And it just shows you how like layered of a filmmaker to adventure is. Because like, nothing, You can't take anything in this movies at face value. You you just mm-hmm. can't. You just can't do it. And I think that I think that's a very interesting way to look at it. And like, you're right because yeah. that that quote does have a lot of meaning. It's, it's not thing on accent, so i do think that's a very very smart very smart insightful interpretation russell
2: yeah well and i think it's also kind of a a um when you realize that john doe is the one that wrote that i think it, it's more of a sense of to him hell is the world as it is hell is the world where people are happy hell is the world where people don't see these sins and so I don't. Yeah, I I I think it's more to me. It's more of his stated motivation of saying that it's not necessarily about him, but it's like I am yeah. leading the world out of hell. But my hell is the world where there's where there's good. Uh, uh, the yeah. light is seeing the reality of how things are, which is that everyone is prideful or envious or slothful, and everyone deserves punishment. And and once you once you understand that, you're illuminated. And yeah. so it's it really. It just underscores again his very twisted sense of the world, which is a place full of sin and sinners, including himself.
1: Including himself, yeah. That's another good, yeah, good. That's a good point too.
0: Yeah. So uh, I mean, I echo everything you said. This is one of my favorite films of 1995, and I'm really, I'm glad we got to review it. I think we brought a lot of good insight, and I'm, uh, you know, Dan, I'm happy you decided to, uh, you know, come on and review this with us. This is fun. Like I said, it's it's. Um,
2: uh, I'm glad I got a chance to revisit it because I had not revisited it in quite some time.
0: So that was our review of 7. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a little different from what we do usually, but don't worry. We'll, we'll, I'm sure Dan. I'm sure we'll get Dan back for another, another more fun review, like a Transformers or something like that. But uh, we're, not, we're not leaving you off like that because we are doing, in honor of the number 5, I can't think of any other tie-in, uh, we are doing our top 5s of 95. All of us have our own lists, so, Dan, you are a guest of honor. We are going to start off. What is your number five in 1995?
2: This is so hard because, like, I'm looking here at my list, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven, ironically, <laughs> or coincidentally. It's not irony. I have coincidentally <laughs> seven ent- movies that I would put on this list that nice. could take the place of almost any of these movies.
1: But, I agree.
2: But my yeah. right now my number five is a little bit more obscure, but it's... Um, Ian McKellen did a version of Richard III that's Ooh. set in a sort of fascist England, an imagined fascist England of, like, World War II era type, and I think it's a phenomenal film, and so that would be my number five, is uh, is Ian McKellen as Richard III
1: in Richard III.
0: Interesting. I've I not seen that. to add to my list now. Uh, Russell, we're, we're going to go ar- around the clock, so Russell, what's your number five from 95?
1: Ninety-five was such a like a really kind of like dark for movies. There's a lot of dark movies out there. Um, I went comedy. Uh, call me crazy, but I put Tommy Boy at number five.
0: I will call you. Um, I will call you crazy.
1: <laughs> I looked <will laughs> at Tommy you. Boy
0: long and hard. You, you, you're not crazy. Yeah.
1: Okay, Th- thank you, Dad. I,
0: I guess like, it was Dan, one Dan's word, word I really means more in this case than mine. So you're not crazy.
1: <laughs> but it was like one of those things where it's like I go back to it. I'm like, this really introduced Chris Farley, and what a, you know, what a tragic loss that we had that this guy was at the you know peak of his you know career right then and there in 95. It's a movie I can go back to so I put rewatchability down on it. I love the back and forth with him and David Spade. I just I love the film. I can always go back to it and watch it whenever. Um highly quotable and just a lot of just a lot of fun. So I just wanted to kind of just get something funny out there and so I threw out number 5 Tommy Boy. All
0: right, so going to my number 5. This is going to this is going to be a very weird circle cycle of five. My number 5 is Babe. <laughs> uh Babe is a film that's Look, talking animal pictures can go very, very poorly, very, very fast. But for this to come out and be a really good story of, say, of of like, and we're kind of coming at a story for a pig, and you know him trying to trying to navigate this wor- this world, and it's, it's really relatable. All the actors are committed. the uh, The animals are all very well trained. The voice acting is really good. It's ki- it's kind of weird. I think the fact that George Miller worked on it is kind of a telling sign of that. And yeah, I think it's like a really sweet, really nice film and kind of show my age a bit. But don't worry, I'll, I'll fix that in a second. <laughs> Dan, what is your number four of 95?
2: Number, f- uh, number four, I'm picking Toy Story.
0: Ooh, might hear a little bit more I about like, that later on.
2: I like Toy Story. I like Pixar. I like this movie just in general, not just because it was groundbreaking, which it was. I mean, it was the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs of its time. But I just think it's a really good movie. I, th- I love the vocal performances from Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, particularly. But then it's Jim Varney and and John Ratzenberger and Don Rickles. I mean, just top to bottom, Andy Potts, uh, Laurie Metcalf is Andy's mom. Like everyone is so well cast, and it's 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 still a funny movie. Like Toy Story is funny. It is a funny, funny movie, and I I it has never gotten old. The 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 sum of the animation. Yes, uh, as a particularly on the humans, but I still think it is a really funny movie, and so I'm I'm putting it in my top five.
1: All right, uh, Russell, you're number
0: four. I'm
1: not copying you, Dan, I swear, but I have number four. (laughs) I have Toy Story as well. There (laughs) you go. Um, I was 12, 13 when this movie came out in '95. I just remember the power of this film. Like, I hadn't seen it in the theaters, but I saw it on VHS and I watched it quite a bit. Um, I just remember how powerful it was just watching this whole entire different way of animation and like this, this little studio called Pixar that we never thought in a million years, like, you know, 25 years later, look where we're at now with them. You know what I mean? They are a juggernaut now. Um, and this, you always have to have a soft spot for this because this is the beginning. This is the alpha of the, of the inception of Pixar. So uh, kind of what you know, Dan said, I uh, love the, you know, the side characters as well. I love the Randy Newman music too as well. Um, Toy Story number four.
0: All right, going to my number four. I will mean, go on that movie later. Uh, go, go to my number four. My number four is Heat. Michael Mann's Heat. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a this is a great crime epic. It's almost three hours. You never really feel the length of it. Uh Pacino's great. He's just cartoony enough to make it work. He's like, he got a great ass. Uh, I think him oh, and my, such a great... the prospect yeah. of him and De Niro work really well. I think the best part about the fact that they never really, they're never on screen together. Well, they're not. They're not on screen together for very long. But when they are it's electric and even when they're off screen together like you still feel that connection between the two of them uh it's great cast you've great use of the city of la uh so much that's so much it's awesome about heat i'm i'm sure that i'd be surprised if it wasn't on either of your list so I'll, I'll save the rest of the talk for Heat talk for later so dan you're number three
2: my number three i'm going with the movie we just watched i'm seven. going with seven at number three that's very confusing yes. but Yeah, numbers. I I really like this. I might be over putting it up a little bit higher just because of recency bias. But like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of great movies in 1995, and it was really I was trying to think: do I go with this or do I go with Usual Suspects at number three? And I ended up going seven, but uh, but and Usual Suspects is on the for me is on the honorary. It'd be like number six, but we're doing five. So yeah, I'm going with seven. It's just such a well
1: made movie.
0: Russell is seven. you're number three also.
1: It is not actually okay. uh, number three. Kind of what uh, Dan was saying. Um, I kind of subbed out Casino for what Chance just talked about. Heat. Um, Michael Mann's film really using LA as a backdrop. You know, terrific performances all around. You know, Pacino and De Niro finally on screen together. You know, and it's just it's electric. It really is. Michael Mann. You really just he, he knows how he can really shoot a action sequence and it's, it's just it's just really really amazing and it's just a fun film great side characters tom sizemore killmore all those guys it's it's a fun film and i just it's one that you can go back to and watch the almost three hour runtime does go by rather quickly and it like that's why i put it over casino just because i feel like casino does drag at times it's still a great film but still drags the time so i put heat at number three
0: mm. uh now it's my turn to copy down because my number three is also seven <laughs> <laughs> boy uh, I ever, we're so
1: unoriginal guys i know right
0: for, for <laughs> everything we just for we just said in this review being it stands up great performance great direction <laughs> such a great multi-layered film not to spend too much time on Absolutely. it cause we literally just spend like 30 minutes 30 or 45 minutes talking about seven so great film uh dan you're number two of 95 Get into the silver medals
2: we are and i'm going with apollo 13 Ooh, good That's, choice. Good I, choice. I, I love Apollo 13. I think that it's still uh, graphics-wise, it still holds up. Like the special effects in that movie are great, and you know they they actually did go weightless for a lot of it. But I love how claustrophobic it feels claustrophobic, but not boring. I think it's really well directed. Ron Howard really figured out a way how to shoot this this very personal, intimate movie. With these three astronauts, but then Kathleen Quinlan and Ed Harris, Gary Sinise down on Earth. And um, I love Bill Paxton. I love rest in peace. I love uh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, I just think that it's a great, you, you know, it's one of those movies, you know, it's a good movie because I know how it ends. But well. every time I watch it, I'm still nervous when they're in the blackout and they're coming back to, to you know, to Earth, like if they're going to make it back or not. It, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's really well done. The music is great. Um. Yeah, I, I. just think it's a great movie.
0: All right, Russell, your number. Your number two.
1: My number two is the one that we just reviewed. Seven. Uh, I really love this film. That's why I put it on the uh, poll. Um, it's one of Fincher's, my, one of my favorite Fincher films. Uh, we talked enough about it for like forty-five minutes. So yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, right on. Uh, my <laughs> number two is uh, going back to Backspacey, Not not intentional. Again, bad guy. Uh, my number two is The User Suspects. Uh, it's a movie that I think just is just built in such an intricate, interesting way, I think the it's a it's a great ensemble. I mean, uh yeah, Gabriel Byrne, Stephen Ball won, the only good performance he's ever given in his entire career. Kevin Pollock's great, uh Bean Toro is awesome. Uh, and it's just such a well crafted police mystery story. The fact that the the way they build the villain Khaider Soze and that ending is probably one of my favorites in just film history. Like I, I love it. And it's it isn't like, I, and Some people might argue the movie doesn't hold up after you get that ending. I disagree. I just think that it's a more interesting watch after you know... Maybe more interesting watch after you know the ending, because you're trying to see, like, how do the, all these pieces fit together? And so, yeah, I think Usual Specs is again, problematic people behind the scene and in front of the camera, but I do think it still stands up as a great film. Alright, Dan, we've reached the moment. Your number one of 1995.
2: Right. Briefly, my my, my uh... Special, what is it? Uh, honorable special, mentions. Honorable mentions, thank you. We, we talked <laughs> about true. Usual Suspects in Heat, American President, uh, The American President, uh, Before them. Sunrise, Crimson Tide, Braveheart, and Clueless were all easily could have been Ooh. on this list.
0: I'm very curious what it is
2: now. What is it, Dan? Jeez. It is a movie that was already mentioned. I, I'm in. I'm in the minority on this. I love Casino as much as I love Goodfellas. Really? Really? Oh wow.
1: wow. For me,
2: for me it is it's I'm not saying it's better. I like yeah. it as much as Goodfellas. I love but... I like the story. I think Sharon Stone is amazing in it. I love Joe Pesci and I know people are saying he's playing the same guy that he's playing in Goodfellas but I don't care. Um I I I love that interaction between those two. I like the world. I love the I love that scene where De Niro goes back in the kitchen he's just like, "Look at this." He's like, "I want an equal amount of blueberries. I want an equal <laughs> amount of blueberries in these muffins." And the guy's like, "Do you have any idea how long it's going to take?" He's like, "I don't care. I just love that character who is an outsider and is constantly trying to prove himself. I know people consider Casino, a lot of people consider Casino a fellow's knockoff, not yeah. me. I I really, really like Casino. It is eminently watchable for me. And
0: uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Interesting. I, I, I didn't think you'd go there, but that's, that's a good choice. I, I dig it, man. Uh, Russell, what is your number one of
1: 1995? Yeah, kind, kind of what Dan was saying with the honorable mentions. Casino, obviously, I put Heat above it because I could rewatch Heat more than Casino. I mean, but still, I mean, it's still honorable mention. It's still a really, it's a really good film. Um, obviously, Braveheart's. Um, Twelve Monkeys is pretty solid. I could be up there easy too. Um but my number one is one that nobody has on their list because I like I don't know, I like depressing movies, I guess. Uh, it also sets place in Vegas. It's leaving Las Vegas is my number one. Damn. Um, Good one. it's a movie I go it's a movie I go back to a lot. I don't know. I just I love the performance that Nick Cage delivers. Um I love Elizabeth Shue, uh, her performance too, because they're both both battling addiction kind of in this film and it's just you know you as much as i watch this film i keep wanting Nicolas cage to get clean for the fact that he has somebody to get clean for now because his whole entire world at the beginning of the film is pretty much like you know out he's fired and he wants to just he goes to vegas to pretty much kill himself by drinking himself to death but then he meets a stripper who kind of just changes his life and you want him to get clean for this you know what i mean and it's it's kind of sad that we just see what the uh, power of addiction can actually do to somebody. Uh, Nicolas Cage is fantastic in this film. I still think this is one of Nicolas Cage's best performances uh, of his career. Um, and I, I'd be happy to fight like anybody on that, because I really, really, really believe that this is his best uh, performance for sure. Um, and I love the uh, the songs by uh, Sting that they sprinkle in the film as well. It's just a really good film. And again, it's a depressing film, but overall, I just think the acting between Shu and... And Cage is just, it's just, it's just really great.
0: Nice, nice pick, nice pick. And my number one, I already mentioned before, <laughs> but it is Toy Story. This is a movie that really kind of defined my little film. Like I used, I, I've said before, <laughs> I used to watch movies so much, I used to wear it at VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for what Dan said, like, it's right, he, it does hold up from a writing standpoint and from, like, an acting standpoint. And yeah, it did change the for game. Sure. And I think the reason it's held up so well is because you have a bunch of people who are just like, okay, we're going to try this, it might work. It might not work, but if it does, it's going to be revolutionary. And it was, because, I mean, you have just an animation film that, that treated its, its A-list actors like voice actors and just put it all in to tell a good story with good humor and a lot of hearts. and you can see that why this movie lasted so long and why Pixar lasted so long. And it it holds up. Yes, humans, still terrifying, but still, I think if you look <laughs> past that, then you still have a stand-up quality film and Toy Story. So, yeah. Those are our top fives of 95. Again, Dan, I want to thank you for joining us today. Where can people find you?
2: You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Dan Murrow movies. That's where I do reviews and charts and uh, video essays and stuff like that. You can find me on Patreon, Patreon.com slash Dan Merle. That's where we have a monthly movie club. We we are doing a bunch of stuff now. We do a, a monthly movie watch along. That's a new feature that we added. Uh, I do schmodown uh, re- reactions now. I'm going back and rewatching uh, some of my Schmo <laughs> matches. A lot of them for the first time.
0: Oh wow! So nice. uh,
2: starting at the beginning. Um, so we're doing one of those uh, once a month, um, and we do uh, do movie commentaries, all kinds of stuff. It's really really fun. Um, And it's, it's a great community that we're building over there. And you can find me on Twitter at Merle Dan. You can find me on Instagram at Merle Dan. And I've got premiering soon a new podcast called All My Movies, which I am producing along uh, in collaboration with the Shimoda Entertainment Network. So it'll be a weekly show on YouTube as well as a standalone podcast. Uh, so look for that very soon i'm I'm very excited it's it's i'm literally going through the movies that i own one by one and <laughs> nice. i did the math on this if i stopped collecting today it would be a 10-year show Ooh. so i may have to
0: i may have to like stuff a few i may have to like you know like compress a, a couple movies into <laughs> one episode god damn all right that sounds really fun be looking forward to that uh russell you want to give our plugs where we head out
1: yeah, I just want to thank Dan again. Thank you for taking the time to you know help talk about this movie. and you know congrats on the Schmodown uh, podcast and everything because you are pretty much like the upper echelon of Schmodown, you know uh, characters uh, in the Schmodown. So we all look up. Look forward to you know, when you compete and everything. So thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, you guys can find us on Facebook. notorious by chance is the group go ahead and join us there. That's where we put up the weekly polls to leave it to you guys. What we're gonna watch. Uh, we have one with Winston Marshall coming up. We have, uh, in honor of the NFL season kicking off, Um, we're going to talk about football movies. So right now, as time of this recording, The Replacements is winning with Friday Night Lights right behind. So go ahead and get involved on that. Also, you can find Chance and I over at Notorious by Chance, the YouTube channel, um, where we will be finally talking about Tenet once uh, Chance sees it. So looking forward to that. And uh, yeah.
0: If you have my Twitter and Instagram at ChanceWars underscore 91. Yeah, check out the Schmodown. Join that Patreon. I got my second round match against Miss Lishanna Miller coming up. And, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, one, one final thank you to Dan. And, yeah, like we said, Russell said, we will see you next week for football movies. That's going to do it for us, and we will see you next time.